Welcome in Rose City to the Soccer Maiden Portland podcast. Uh, Ryan Clark here joined by Chris Reifer on what has been a uh, highly news-filled week in PTFC. Uh, the, the latest and biggest news out of the club being that Portland Timbers and Thorns owner Merritt Paulson has stepped down as CEO uh, in, in a lengthy statement, took responsibility for the many mistakes over the years that the organization has made, particularly when it comes to issues uh, involving women as the victims. Uh, he has stepped away from club operations completely. However, he maintains his ownership stake in both clubs. Uh, this comes after the firings of top executives Mike Golub and Gavin Wilkinson uh, in the wake of the U.S. Soccer Report's release. Uh, and the information, obviously, in the U.S. Soccer Report, which many are familiar with at this point, uh, was damning for the club and, and led to, to those decisions uh, by Merritt Paulson in the end. And and we have arrived now at a point uh, of major change for the clubs and, and something that, you know, we've, we've all been following these stories closely over the past several years, but this is, is really one of those moments where the axis shifts. And while the message uh, from, from people in the community maintains uh, that Merritt Paulson should sell both of these teams, which he has yet to, to commit to doing or even really discuss doing in a public setting, uh, it it still uh, is is an important point in the history of this club uh, that we've arrived at now. So, Chris, um, just just your general thoughts at this point as as we navigate a, a really uncertain and and significant time in in the club's history. I mean, I think uncertainty is the word, right? I, I mean, this is this moment is is completely unprecedented in certainly PTFC history. Um, it's, you know, I mean, here, here's how extraordinary the times are, uh, last weekend, the, the, the Timbers completed what was quite a bit of a choke to miss the MLS playoffs and their season is over. They needed to take at least two points from their last three games to, to make the playoffs. They only took one, uh, and, and they, they bundled out of the postseason. And that's not even on anybody's mind. That I think underscores how how extraordinary and serious and uncertain these times are. And 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 I think uncertainty truly is the word. Uh, you know, the understanding that we've had of the these, these various off field issues has undergone a sea change over the course of the last two weeks, and we are still sort of coming to grips and coming to understand uh, the 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 outcome of that. And, and, and what things are going to look like in the future. And frankly, I, I think nobody really has a good view, probably including folks on Morrison Street. Uh, nobody really has a good view of or, or a good idea of what the future holds. And so I think uncertainty right now is, is exactly the word. There are many others, <laughs> of course. Uh, there's tremendous disappointment. Uh, there are a lot of people who have lost trust and confidence in the club. Uh, there are a lot of people, frankly, who who don't enjoy uh, watching the teams play as much as they used to because of everything that's happened. And so there, there are many things, uh, of course, going on. But what the future looks like, I think, is now completely up in the air. Uh, but let's start with sort of uh, a, a little bit more detailed discussion of, of what has happened in the last week since you recorded with Bill Oram last week. Um, let's sort of hit the hit the sort of salient points uh, so that we're we're talking about this from a a, a common nucleus of facts. Uh, so so Ryan, since you since you talked to to Bill last week, what is what what are sort of the 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 big developments and and what do you think are sort of the big uh, sort of takeaways from where we've been over the course of the last seven days or so. I, I think it's it's definitely multi-layered and multifaceted, and and we could spend hours on this podcast dissecting every every nuance of of this situation. But to me, the two largest uh, you know factions right now that that are making headlines and are um, important to discuss is is the decisions by the PTFC front office on one hand. And the response from the fan groups, including the Timbers Army and Rose City Riveters, on the other, that of course is is not discounting what I think should be the primary uh, segment of the conversation, and that is that the 
victims of this situation have have really laying their experiences out for for all to see throughout the U.S. Soccer Report and uh, through their stories over the years about the culture issues and everything else that that have swirled around PTFC. Uh, so I, I think that it's important that we continue to amplify the voices of the victims first and foremost. But in the context of this story, uh, as it stands right now, you, you've got Merritt Paulson remaining in the organization on one side having fired his top two executives, who were two men that were there from the beginning uh, of of the Timbers in MLS, and, and in some cases, uh, even before. I mean, Gavin Wilkinson was a player in, in the USL days and then a coach. Uh, so he they have all been around this, this club from the beginning, from Merritt's purchase in 2007. He fired both of them. And that was really not his first instinct, based on, on how things played out. I mean, you know, Bill and I discussed this on the podcast last week, but his initial instinct was to just remove those two men and himself from the Thorns operations. Uh, and then there was a whole bunch of backlash to that, that which I am a little surprised that it wasn't expected in the first place. But, um, you know, it, it is what it is as far as the public's reaction. Hard to gauge that uh, when you're more than likely chatting with lawyers and and PR people but but for Merritt's sake you know he he realized i think that that was the wrong decision and so he went out and fired both of those guys and that that in the view of people in the the soccer community in Portland was necessary in terms of change for the organization uh but they wanted one more thing and that was that was for Merritt to sell both of the teams he brought himself right up to that point without doing it uh, by stepping down as CEO. My understanding um, of Merritt's role in this club for the last 15 years is that from the beginning, he has been integral in the operations. He hosts all the meetings. He's uh, he's right there with all the employees and, and is a constant presence in the office. And that is no longer going to be the case uh, at all for him. He, he may you know, maintain an office at PTFC. He may show up to some or all of the games as the owner, but his role in the operations side of the club is done. Uh, and he's handed that off to Heather Davis, the new CEO, uh, who uh, along with Sarah Keen, uh, is, is her appointee, uh, as COO, uh, she, Sarah Keen will, will conduct the search for, for the new CEO, uh, and and that person will take over for Heather Davis, who for a while has been the general counsel for the Timbers. She's she's a longtime corporate lawyer uh, who's worked extensively uh, in professional sports and elsewhere uh, in her career. The look of this club from a front office standpoint has changed dramatically. Uh, you know, for people who may not be familiar, I mean, when you walk into the press box at uh, at Providence Park. Uh, the the two offices that you pass uh, when you come up the stairs and and take a right to go towards the box are Mike Golub and Merritt Paulson. Golub's office is going to be empty or filled with somebody else soon, and Merritt Paulson's may may keep the same aesthetics, but he will not be in there quite as much. And and so you know, the organization has a lot to answer for in terms of the mistakes that it has made over the past decade plus. Words from Merritt Paulson are important, and I, I think that his statement was as conciliatory as we have seen him about these issues, and he he very clearly is emotionally affected by this, but but actions matter a great deal more to the people in this community and, and the soccer fans in Portland. And, and that leads me to the other side of this coin, which is the response from the Timbers Army and the Rose City Riveters, uh, they they have digested the the full report. They've they've read everything that has to do with the club that they love, and they're sickened by it. And the, their reaction from the release of the Sally Yates report has been: Merritt's got to sell both teams. Merritt's got to fire Mike Golub, and Merritt's got to fire Gavin Wilkinson. Two of those three things have happened, and Merritt stepped back. And that is not enough in in the view of Timbers Army and Rose City Riveters who maintain their calls for merit to sell both teams and will continue to make their voices heard at games and away from them 
uh, for many months and potentially years to come. So you you, you talked a, a lot about what we know about Mayor, Mayor Paulson stepping down as CEO of the Timbers and Thorns uh, and, and giving up an operational role. But, you know, as you noted, and as everybody who's been involved with the club over the course of the last decade uh, also knows, he, he's, he, he was deeply involved in, in basically everything to do with the club uh, and, and had, had his fingers in, in, in lots of pies, uh, so to speak. Uh, he was a very, very, very active, even CEO, let alone a very, very, very active, active owner. Do we have beyond what, what just the statement uh, from, from Merritt said yesterday, do we have much in terms of an understanding of, of what as a practical matter, his participation in the club is going to look like? I know he said that he was going to be stepping away from any operational role. Um, but do we know what, what, what that actually means? Uh, certainly Bill Oram in, in his, uh, in his column yesterday sort of raised this question, uh, about what it what it means to be uh, a passive owner. Uh, does that mean he's a glorified checkbook? Does that mean something else? I, I, I don't know. Uh, and I was wondering if, if you have any sort of knowledge on, on the reporting that you've been able to do about how they think that's going to look. At this point, my understanding is that, you know, Merritt Paulson is going to continue to be the individual that does sign the checks. It's it's his and Hank Paulson's money that is is going to be infused into this club going forward unless a sale potentially happens in the future. Uh, right now, his, his uh, decision as far as a sale of one or both of these clubs has not yet been made. Uh, it may potentially be made for him if the results of the NWSL and PA investigation uh, lead to a conclusion by the NWSL that he needs to uh, relinquish his ownership of the Thorns. The question is whether or not that will happen uh, in conjunction with the the Timbers. And, and, is, and that is a big question that Bill and I talked about last week is how can the uh, continuity and, and solvency of the Thorns continue uh, if they are potentially separated from the Timbers, which is a major part of their institutional uh, body, is is being supported by that club, uh, which is larger and, and has more money to spend, and, and uh, Merritt obviously has the the tie to Providence Park. But but in terms of the role day to day for Merritt, I, I think that um, he, he's going to be very much removed entirely from the operations, but. Heather Davis, the CEO, still reports to him. That that's how this structure works, and and I think that that's important for people to to understand is that regardless of who is hired for this position to replace Heather Davis, they will ultimately report to Merritt Paulson until Merritt Paulson sells these teams, and and that is something that people should be aware of going forward and and continue to pay attention to as far as accountability because. Yes, Merritt is is removed from uh from the operations and and yes, the club does insist that, you know, this isn't a window dressing type of move. This is a major organizational move. But I think that fans are still going to maintain a skeptical eye on how exactly this club operates going forward with the same owner despite the the major changes. The statement yesterday was it was, you know, intentionally or not, the statement was ambiguous um, about about the issue of the sale, right, uh, of any potential sale. Uh, and uh, I, th- I think either you and or Jamie Goldberg, uh, I, in either instance, with or with the Oregon and OregonLive.com, uh, in uh, you know, sort of had some some follow up reporting indicating that that nothing has been decided, or or uh, or at least that. That is the 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 message coming from the club that nothing has been decided on that front. Have you have you gotten a sense uh, about how sort of the statement is being interpreted beyond sort of the walls of of Providence Park and 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 how folks are interpreting what was said uh, and and how that reflects on the issue of whether there's going to be a sale? Their uh, interpretation of it, people people who are you know, outside potential stakeholders and, and fans and everybody else who have, have read the statement and, and tried to interpret as much as they can from from the vagueness of, of that portion. Um, 
I think that they are are a bit worried about the potential for the pressure on Paulson to result in a splitting of the clubs and, and for him to say, look, I'm relinquishing the the thorns, but you know, this this was a thorns issue and I'm keeping the timbers. Uh the timbers are, you know, co- not coincidentally much more valuable to him monetarily than than the thorns are. Um but this is obviously a hypothetical situation that people are are worried about because you know, as I said before, the the institutional support that the Thorns receive from being part of this one club um, is is important and can't be discounted. And um, there are rumblings of of people in the Portland business community who would have interest in in purchasing a portion of either the entire club or the Thorns outright from Merritt Paulson. That I'm hearing stuff like that uh, right now from people in the Portland business community, but nothing concrete quite yet. And, and I think that um, this is, this is something that is going to be front of mind for people going forward. Now, Merritt in his statement said that keeping the thorns whole, keeping them, uh, you know, solvent and in going into the uh, future to, to paraphrase what he said um, is, is important to him. He said that, but, uh, but in the end, uh, what he does with that team or both teams uh, is going to define whether those are just words. How would, uh, you know, I guess if you were one of the folks in the, in the business community that maybe had interest uh, in, in taking on a stake in, in, in the club, I, I guess, how would you interpret <laughs> the, the events of the last 24 hours or so? Uh, you, you know, is that a sign of, of, Hey, start, you know, start kicking some tires and, and doing some diligence and maybe thinking about this more concretely, or is it going to have a chilling effect, uh, where, where they sort of sit back and, and kind of like the rest of us, I guess, uh, just sort of wait to see what happened. What it happens? What, what do you think is, is the likely outcome there? Or do you, do you feel like you have a sense yet? Um, if I had to guess just based on, on, uh, what I know and, and my experience covering these clubs, um, this seems to me like a signal that, at the very least, Merritt Paulson is willing to listen to to potential offers either now or down the line uh, for these clubs. I, I think that um, him removing himself, Gavin Wilkinson and Mike Golub from the club, um, is important for multiple reasons to him. The most important one being it's it's in his view the right thing to do. Uh, after all of these scandals and secondarily, and, and this cannot be ignored, uh, it drives the price up for both of these clubs. It makes it so when Merritt Paulson does sell, he can sell to the potential buyer. Look, I have not been involved with the operations since X date. Uh, I got rid of these two guys who were clearly the, the biggest issues in my organization. Um, so, so I think it's worth X amount, right? And, and so, their current valuation, according to Sportico, uh, prior to to the winds of change occurring, uh, <laughs> was six hundred eighty five million dollars between the two clubs combined, um, and that's still top ten in MLS in terms of club value. Uh, LAFC sitting at the top uh, at a good bit more than that, but um, you know it. it it really is underscoring how uh, the removal of himself and and Golub and Wilkinson from from the front office it it may help him in a potential sale. The you know where we are today. Obviously, Golub and Wilkinson have been dissociated entirely from the club. Uh, Merritt Paulson has has stepped back from one role. I guess taken one hat off, uh, so to speak, but retains the other hat. Has have you heard, or has there been any sort of indication of why the the sort of the 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 allegations or the facts known um, with respect to Wilkinson and Golub on one hand are different from the facts known or, or allegations on, on about Paulson on the other hand, and why on one hand, complete dissociation was warranted where on the other hand, that, ha- that hasn't happened at least yet. 
has there been any discussion about that? Has there been, you know, any indication of why they're they're sort of not similarly situated in this moment? There has been no discussion about that. And and I'm glad that you brought it up because I think that the difference here is a power structure. You're talking about the the man who owns these teams and has sole authority over everything in the end versus two men who were his employees. And he has the very clear power to to put the team up for sale. He has has the power to as he did remove himself from operations, but he he isn't choosing to to do that first thing to to make the sale. Um and you know the, the question is why? Why is he not making that choice? Um uh, the answer could be a business one and or it could be a you know personal one for him because as as we know and as he laid out in his statement um these clubs are really his whole life you know but prior to to purchasing them he he had bounced around in different uh different executive positions and um you know given how he was born as an extremely wealthy man he had the opportunity to do this and has has made it his life's work to to you know build this franchise up to to what it is and and i don't think that um that discounts the role that fans have played in in building this team and these teams up to be to be what they are. Uh, they have been integral as well. But but from a financial perspective, from a business perspective, um, everything that that PTFC has uh, is in large part due to to Merritt Paulson and the people that work for him. Uh, and so he he feels that he he feels that. Um, you know, it, it's hard for, for him to disassociate himself completely from the clubs and just announce a fire sale, uh, because for one, that's, that's a massive shame for him because of how much he cares. And two, um, you know, financially, it's not the best move for him. And, and if you are ever wondering a reason behind why a near billionaire or a, 10 times or hundred times over millionaire makes a decision most of the time. And I'm not ascribing this specifically to Merritt Paulson, but most of the time it's because it's the right decision to make them more money. You know, and, and I think that's been, uh, you know, that, that certainly is a principle that I think helps sort of is at least one tool through which, or, or one way through which people can sort of view, a lot of what's happened in the last week, which is that there's very, very little incentive. And in fact, probably a lot of disincentive to, you know, come out and say, I am selling the club by X date. Uh, you know, I, th- I think that would create exactly the fire sale conditions that, that, that you're talking about. And those aren't the best conditions under which for somebody to sell any asset let alone a soccer club or anything else. And I would I would also add that it's not the best conditions for the potential survival of the thorns. I, I think that a fire sale puts puts the the thorns in particular in a position where they may be a little more tenuous as far as who the, who their buyer might be if it's a separate buyer, uh, if they were to be able to stay in Portland, if they were to be able to play at Providence Park. I, I think that's something that people um, should keep in mind as well. So one of the things that we saw before the announcement uh, that Paulson is stepping down as CEO uh, is we saw a lot of messages from a number of sponsors saying, you know, variations, although I think it's fair to say variations on a theme uh, of of what they were thinking of doing in the future with respect to their sponsorships. What is sort of the current state of play there? Uh, who seem to be the biggest the biggest actors uh, in, in, in that universe? And how, Dan, do you have any sense of how Paulson's stepping down as CEO is going to affect that landscape? Because we haven't heard a whole lot in the 24 hours since that happened. Uh, and so I, I, I don't, at least sort of from the outside, have a sense of, of how that has changed anything. Obviously, a lot of the major players are, are big sponsors like Alaska Airlines, uh, KeyBank, uh, and, and others who... Uh, either have made statements in the case of Alaska Airlines or have remained relatively silent in the case of, of ones like KeyBank. Um, I, I think that the major changes that the sponsors who have spoken out uh, were seeking are 
largely going to be satisfied by the steps that Merritt Paulson has taken, and and they will remain on in full, if not in a slightly reduced capacity, uh, than they were before. Now, there may be a handful of of sponsors who see it as a greater benefit to to cut off ties unless Merritt does sell, and and they may see a profit motive in in maintaining a very strong protest stance on this. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the case for the major sponsors. I, I think that um, they they may find other reasons to scale back their sponsorship or other reasons that they decide to share with the public. Uh, but but for the most part, I think that the decisions that Merritt made uh, from a business savvy standpoint uh, are what he needed to do in order to maintain these sponsors' relationships. Whether he's able to get new ones, whether those sponsors stick around for as long as they might otherwise remains to be seen. And what that does to the long-term health of the the club financially uh, is, is something to think about as well uh, when you're looking at a potential sale in the future. So where does it look like, I mean, what's next? What is it? Where does it look like we go from here? And uh, in, in what are the next things that people should be looking for uh, to happen? Uh, yeah. What's next? I think that there is going to be some level of outside interest from parties who who want to buy these teams, whether um, Merritt announces them being for sale or not, we've we've seen you know an example of this right down the road uh, with the Trailblazers, right? Phil Knight and and other investors came out and and leaked their private offer to the media uh, for the Trailblazers and and made this big public thing about oh look, Uncle Phil's looking to buy uh, buy the Blazers. This is a big great thing because a lot of Blazer fans have called for Jody Allen to sell that team. Um, I think that a similar type of thing could begin to happen uh, in the coming weeks, months, years, who knows how long that process would be. Uh, and and there's going to be people that potentially the fans throw their support behind as, as potential new owners or ownership groups that they see as, as a healthy alternative. The challenge is whether those people passing a litmus test for the Timbers Army and Rose City Riveters is something that matters at all to Merritt Paulson. Is that something that he is going to take into consideration, the the cultural fabric of the city that he is potentially bringing a new owner into, um, and whether or not that owner or owners will be accepted? Um, it seems, based on his statements like that, is something that matters and that he at at least a base level understands that that's important but whether or not he he acts on that in the event of an eventual sale remains to be seen now we're talking about this obviously in a lot of hypotheticals right merit could potentially just sit back and let the news cycle you know take over and try to make it so that people forget essentially about these issues but i don't think that that's going to be possible for him and and a big reason for that is that the Sally Yates report was, was not the only report that we are waiting on we're still waiting on the NWSL and its players association to complete theirs and so it's important for people to to continue to pay attention to that when it does come out to read every word of it and to make sure that there is as much public transparency from the club as possible on that front. And then who knows, maybe given the the nature of Portland being kind of the, the big example of the cultural issues in NWSL, maybe the NWSL makes an example out of them. Maybe they are the ones that are forced to make a sale of the thorns contingent on a number of factors that protect the integrity of that club, which I don't think is, is anything people should ignore is one of the best clubs in the league and, and is the most popular club in the league among the most successful and has a ton of successful. Yeah. I the, mean, the, the you know, yeah. I mean, let's the, the, there's no, like there's no ifs, ends or buts about that. The, the thorns are the most successful club in, in NWSL from sort of a holistic competitive business all of that standpoint, there are promising signs that there may be uh, there may be some teams 
coming to challenge them for that, which is great for the league. Yes. Don't get me wrong. That's that's excellent for the league. That's excellent for the sport. But, you know, taking the totality, the nine years of NWSL into account, it's hegemonic. There's no question that the Portland Thorns are the most successful NWSL franchise. Right. And that motivates the league to throw its institutional support behind that club should it eventually force a sale. I don't think that Jessica Berman is in the business, Jessica Berman being the, the commissioner of the NWSL. I don't think she is in the business of letting the Portland Thorns fail just because Merritt Paulson doesn't want to sell both of his teams. I, I think it would be like MLB letting the New York Yankees fail. Yeah. It would be, I mean, it would be insane. They, it would it, it would be NWSL, you know, basically just just riding off and saying, okay, take our cornerstone franchise, uh, you know, it it it, it can fold, it's gone. Uh, that would be deeply deeply destabilizing for the league, uh, and and I mean, it it frankly almost seems like a non-starter to the point where I would expect NWSL for any prospective purchaser to basically be like, yeah, this. Portland is staying in Portland. That is that is our longest term, most successful market. Uh, and Portland is staying in Portland. Uh, it, it's a matter of figuring out how that's going to happen. Exactly. And and so that that's to me the the big thing to keep an eye on in in the coming months and years is how that plays out, or if you know, Merritt does come to this point where he does sell both teams. Who who does that person look like, or who do those people look like that that come in and take over for him? Do they match up values wise with with the Timbers Army, with the Rose City Rivers, with this city? It's going to be hard for for those two things to to really blend together in a, in a healthy way. Should Merritt Paulson decide to to sell both clubs? You know, I guess to some extent, I I get a little bit skeptical of uh, of that discussion when, and you, and you see that discussion all the time, right? The, you, you're not, you're not pulling that out of nowhere. You're not contriving that. That's, that's a, a talking point that you hear talked about all the time. I get a little bit skeptical of that entire discussion. Um, it is true. It is very true that supporters want to see their values reflected in the clubs that they support. Um, but I think that's a different question from whether there's sort of a political litmus test for an an owner coming in. You know, I mean, look, if uh T Boone Pickens uh wants to buy the 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 Timbers and Thorns, is he still alive? I have no idea. Uh old like oil guy in Oklahoma, uh really you know, I mean that would be that would probably be problematic, right? Um but if the Koch brothers want to buy the Timbers and Thorns, uh, that would be problematic. Fact check, uh, I, fact check for the for the podcast. T Boone Pickens died in 2019. Okay, well, apparently we don't need to worry about that. Uh, but <laughs> uh, but if if the Koch brothers wanted to buy the Timbers and Thorns, uh, it, you know that would be an issue. Uh, but I don't think the Koch brothers want to buy the Timbers and Thorns, and apparently T Boone Pickens can't. So uh, so you know, I mean that. I, I, I think short of that, I, I've not seen a lot of, you know, I guess widespread discussion about any new owner being required to satisfy any political litmus test or anything like that. I think most people's focus with respect to ownership has been primarily sound leadership in the club uh, and and has been making sure that the club is is a place where where players are are safe. And respected and provided a good workplace where employees are safe and respected and provided it uh, provided a good workplace, um, and and you know I I think uh, I have not seen a lot of discussion about you know uh, a, a new owner being required to be an activist on any particular issue or or something like that, and so I, I get a little bit skeptical about about sort of the the runaway version of of that conversation because I'm just not sure it's really all that supported in 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 and grounded in fact it is true that it is important to a lot of the timbers and thorns community um that things like lgbtq rights are respected um but that's because there are a lot of lgbtq people in our community um and of course we want those people to be respected and of course we want those people to be, to feel welcome and safe uh and 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 uh, and all of those things. And, and so, you know, that's, that's important, but I mean, these are, I think pretty basic values issues. It's not that 
that any owner needs to come in and be, you know, a Democrat or whatever else. Um, I, I think it's, it's just sort of basic values issues. Right. And I think that's a very important point. And I, and I agree with you. I, I think that, um, you know, when you talk to people that are in the Timbers army and the riveters, they're not like, all right, let's, let's install an Antifa sympathizer as the owner and then we'll be good. It's like <laughs> that, that would be like the, the Fox news version of like what the Timbers army and riveters right. are seeking. That's not at and, all. And the I case. do feel, I do feel like that ends up being the caricature for a lot of this discussion. Um, where, you know, I mean, maybe somebody makes sort of an initial point, uh, that has a basis in reasonableness, but then all of a sudden it just turns into, well, the Timbers army and the Rose city riveters aren't going to tolerate anybody who's not a card carrying member of Antifa. Um, and it, it's, that's just ridiculous. Do they give out nobody's saying that do do the, do anti-fascists give out cards? I, I, to, to be honest, I have no idea. I assume somebody somewhere has a card. Uh, <laughs> but I have no idea. Somebody's got oh. a card for everything. So I, I, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. That, that's that's exactly right. Somebody somewhere has a card, I'm sure. Uh, but you know, I, I've not seen any meaningful discussion that, that, that is <laughs> that, that they need to find the person with the card <laughs> to, uh, to, to own the club. I don't think that's what anybody's saying at all. Uh, and, and so, you know, I, I think, uh, I, I, I think we need to be careful about that conversation, uh, because it, I think, unfairly sort of characterizes the way supporters in in, or at least many supporters in the city feel, uh, and I, I think it also creates an unfair and unreasonable expectation that the you know that any hypothetical and it is truly hypothetical at this point new owner would sort of meet a set of criteria that I don't think a lot of people have set for them. Yeah. I mean, really what these people want is, is the bare minimum that is, that I believe is required from, from, uh, from ownership of a club and and from the front office stewards of, of a club. And that is basic human dignity afforded to everybody that works for you and everybody that plays for you. And that bar is higher now than it was 20 years ago. And it is way higher now than it was 40 years ago when a lot of these right. old executive guys uh, got their careers started in sports. Uh, there needs in, in the view of the fans in this community, there needs to be fundamental institutional change that is evident that is not just bragged about in press releases that is not asserted, but not backed up by the facts it needs to be evident to everybody that's clear-eyed about this. Of course, there are going to be people on Twitter and everywhere else that are going to be angry and dissatisfied no matter how much you do. That's the nature of our society right now. We don't have rational conversations on the internet. But the vast majority of the fan base will be happy and satisfied and give you some leeway if you just do the right thing. That's it. And it you know it's it's undisputed that what we saw laid out in the Yates report is extremely troubling. Is extremely disappointing. And that in those instances the club did not live up to that bar. The club didn't clear it. They 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 dropped the ball at which is probably the the, the the most flippant way you can put it. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it didn't live up to that. And and I don't think there's a, a single person inside the club or outside the club or anywhere else that, that thinks that in those instances, that was good enough. Mary Paulson said it wasn't. And so, you know, I, I yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it is undisputed and it's and it's agreed uh, that that what we read in, in Sally Yates's report, which was extremely thorough, was really troubling. And, and it represented a really significant and serious failure by the club and by people within the club. Uh, because it was people within the club. It's, it was not every single person who works for the club. Uh, it, it, there were lots of people who work for the club who were very good people uh, who, who did not have any part of that. There are lots of very senior people in the club who were very good people who didn't have any part of those failures. Uh, but those were nonetheless very significant failures. 
And, uh, and you know, I, I think when people are talking about, uh, about this and, and about making sure that there is the institutional change going forward, that those failures are not going to be repeated. Uh, I, I just get very nervous, uh, when people conflate that issue with requiring people within the club to tick any number of political boxes. I, I think those are two completely different issues and that 99 point some percentage of the conversation has been about the first, um, and not the second. So anyway, I, you know, I, that's a little bit of a tangent, but I, I think going forward, going forward for me, I think there are a couple really urgent issues that the club and, and those running the club now, uh, need to have top of mind. First, I, I, I think, you know, going back to the theme from the, the top of the episode, there is a ton of uncertainty right now. And then there's a ton of uncertainty at a time that that is is not particularly great for things, at least on the field. Right. There, there, there are, you know, good, bad or otherwise. Merritt Paulson is CEO. Mike Golub is president of business. And Gavin Wilkinson is president of soccer. We're hugely influential within the club. Their participation drove a lot of what happened in the club and removing them from that, from those various roles, uh, creates a tremendous amount of uncertainty about how things are going to go forward. We've heard talk about the Timbers making at least one or two big signings this winter. Is that still going to happen? I don't know. Um, you know, I mean, and that's just a, an example, uh, but it's a very tangible example. Uh, are they going to target the same kinds of people for those signings? No clue. Uh, are you know? I mean, the, 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 there are there are any number of those kinds of questions on the business and the soccer side that I think we now don't have answers to. And I think that's 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 true of fans, but I would also venture to guess that that's true of people, even inside the club, right now. That there's a lot of uncertainty about how a lot of those questions are going to be answered, and about how about the direction that this new leadership, whether it's interim leadership or not, uh, is is going to take the club. And so I think. I think they need to start providing some indications about where some of those things are going to go. And that's, that's not a roundabout way of me saying that they need to make clear what their offseason plans for the timber signings are. I don't think that's a particularly important issue given the others that are, that are being discussed right now. Um, but there, there need to be st- to start to be some indications about the direction the club is going to go. Maybe as important, maybe even more important is that over the course of the last year, and I, I referenced this uh, earlier in the podcast, but I think it's worth discussing in, in in more directly. Over the course of the last year, there have been a ton of people who are part of the Thorns and Timbers community, who have been part of the Thorns and Timbers community for a long time, and who are really important parts of the Thorns and Timbers community. There are a lot of those people who have lost trust in the club who have lost confidence in the club and, and at least some of whom have made the decision to not directly be part of the community anymore by, you know, I'm doing things like not going to games uh, anymore. I think there needs to be a very concerted effort on the part of the club to start to rebuild some of those connections that have been lost over the course of the last year plus. That needs to be principle uh, among the things that they're doing. And to be clear, this isn't just a matter of a few malcontents on Twitter canceling their season tickets. That's not the issue at all. There are a lot of people who feel disenfranchised from the club right now. And that is manifested in a lot of different ways. And frankly, as, as you're talking about sponsorship value where sponsors get value from sports teams is because they get the ability to have their brand draft off of the positive feelings about sports teams in their community. Right. I mean, that's, that, that's it at the end of the day. I mean, that's not to say that, that, that corporations don't have altruistic purposes at times. They certainly do. Um, and there, and, and many, many corporations even have altruistic 
sort of things that they do through their sponsorships of teams. We've seen that with with uh, with any number of of initiatives that the Timbers and Thorns have done over the, over the years, where they've had corporate partners and they they do something good for the community, and that's great. And and so this isn't to say that this is entirely cynical, but there's also just the business reality that the reason corporations sponsor sports teams is because people in the public feel good about those sports teams and those corporations want those, those similar good feelings to extend to the corporation. Well, if you have this base of people who are disenfranchised from the Timbers and Thorns community, look, the Timbers and Thorns should be trying to bring them back first and foremost, because those are important people in our community. And our community is not whole and our community is not healthy uh, if they're not, they're not in it. And, but there's also just, it's important for the health of the club, right? I mean, if, if there's not that well of good feeling uh, about the club, why would a sponsor sponsor the Timbers and Thorns? Why would they continue that relationship? Uh, And so for a lot of reasons, I think, you come down to sort of a a base kernel of rebuilding a lot of these connections is is an absolute imperative for what the club needs to be doing and thinking. And I think there are lots of things that need to be done to do that. I think a lot of it, frankly, is even reestablishing some personal relationships or establishing some personal relationships that have never been established. Um, but also, there's a lot of there are a lot of things that need to be done to turn a new leaf from a lot of the conflicts over the course of the last year. Now, it is totally reasonable to question, and I'll leave to others to answer, whether that can be done or whether that can be done fully uh, as long as Merritt Paulson is still the owner. I think if you talk to lots of different people, you'll probably get lots of different answers about that. Um, But even that issue aside, there's a lot of work that needs to be done to to reestablish or to establish those connections. And that has to be atop the agenda of the Thorns and Timbers leadership on the business side, on the soccer side, in every part of the organization. That needs to be top of mind. Absolutely. And and the last point I will make on this is that people need to, to keep in their minds that there are victims here. There are people who um, have spoken out, and there may be many more who have not. And that is the case, yes, throughout the NWSL, throughout U.S. soccer, throughout sports, and throughout our society generally, of course, if you want to, to get larger. But we can't forget about their experiences, and it's important that we keep theirs front of mind and and understand the bravery that was necessary for many of those people to come forward. Uh, from a soccer perspective, we obviously didn't discuss soccer on the podcast today, like the stuff that do, happens. Do you want to talk about some soccer? Absolutely it, not. It, <laughs> I, I, you know, as the, much the as Timbers I love three, one at RSL and they're, they're out. Their season's over. Yeah, that's it. That's all we got for you. Um, th- that information is is important to many people, but it is back of of mind right now, uh, given the importance of everything else. And and so for the people who who tuned it's in, a, it's a it's a drive to deep left by Castellanos at this moment. Yeah, it is. And and so I I will not be uh, talking about soccer today chris won't either beyond our our little report that we just gave you um and (laughs) in case you hadn't in case you hadn't seen that yeah uh what are we like almost 50 minutes in no soccer yeah yeah we're not gonna (laughs) sneak any uh sneak any in here at the end but but i will say that you know we will return to discussions about soccer in the coming weeks but that does not mean that that this podcast is the last one in which there will be a forum to discuss these issues because these problems are not going away just because uh, the news cycle changes. We as as podcasters and myself as a journalist uh, are going to continue to pay attention to, to these issues and make sure that people hear the facts of the situation as they unfold uh, in in the coming weeks, months, and years. And, and that's something that I can commit to uh, as, as a journalist. You will 
always get the straight truth of the situation from me, uh, regardless of who in power it might upset, regardless of the situation that it may imperil as far as uh, me getting a scoop or two here or there. You know, it's it's what matters to me personally is is to tell the full truth of a situation and shine a light on issues that may otherwise be kept in the dark. And this podcast will continue to be a forum for that. And um, however we are able to to speak on those issues, we are going to continue to do so. Uh, so we appreciate everybody for listening to, to our discussions. It is worth taking a moment both to thank the journalists, yourself included, uh, but many others who have been who have been shining a light on these issues, uh, and frankly, to to thank all of the 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 players and and the club employees and all of the the, the folks around uh, around the country around the league uh, who have oftentimes risked a lot, both risked a lot in terms of of having to deal with something that 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 is emotionally very, very difficult for them. Um, and also risking a lot in terms of oftentimes their, their profession, uh, to, to bring these issues to light. It is true that this is a much, an issue that is much broader than the Portland Timbers and Thorns. That, that is, that's very true. Um, and although we talk a lot about the Portland Timbers and Thorns rightly, and there's a lot to talk about with the Portland Timbers and Thorns, it goes beyond that. And it truly is something that that is an inflection point for the sport, for the sport in this country, and frankly, for women's sports in general, uh, that needs to happen. This is a reckoning that needs to occur because the way it's been isn't acceptable. And, and the things that have happened to these people, to these players, and, and to these employees – those aren't acceptable. And and the only way it changes is through their courage uh, to, to, to shine a light on these issues so they can't be swept under the rug. And through the work of, of journalists like yourself and Meg Lanahan and many others uh, who, who, have, who have told their stories. And, and so thank you to that entire group of people. Uh, I think we, we owe you and them a debt of gratitude. Uh, and, and frankly, I, I think that's, that's true. Even of the people within the Timbers and Thorns, this will get better. The Timbers and Thorns and NWSL will get better and it'll get better because of this. That process is going to be painful. It already is. It already has been, and it's going to continue to be painful, but it will get better and it will be a better league and it will be a better club because of this. Uh, and, and I think we have a lot of people to thank, uh, from, from players to employees, to journalists, uh, for, for helping make that happen. That'll wrap it up for us here on Soccer Made in Portland. A big thanks to Chris Reifer for his insight uh, throughout this podcast. Uh, now and well into the past, it's been a, a joy of mine to, to partner with him on this pod and looking forward to uh, seasons to come as, as we discuss everything soccer-related or not uh, on this pod. Uh, make sure to like us and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Soccer Maiden PDX. Uh, leave us a rating if you wish, and uh, tune in next week, and we'll be back to, to discuss more, including, theoretically, some soccer. So thanks again, everybody. Tune in next week. <laughs>